You're listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast. Happy Monday. This is Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and Sirius XM Channel 80. And in case you missed it, the Las Vegas Aces are world champions. Woo! Oh, it feels good, Sarah. Let me tell you something for the city of Las Vegas getting a big old professional sports championship on a team filled with stars with the superstar head coach. All the reasons you could ever want to celebrate. What a day. There's a parade coming in Vegas. Oh. And Asia Wilson says you can't show up unless you're at least four shots in. I can't wait to see the carnage with that. Hey, it's also Monday here on Spain and Fitz, and the Raiders are 0-2. Uh, 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 I, already? Like I was, yeah. I was having a moment there, Sarah. Yeah, like, sorry about that. I, was I just having... wanted to bring you back to reality for a minute there, because it is Monday, which means we're going to talk a lot of football. We've got a Monday night football double header: Titans at Bills, seven fifteen Eastern on ESPN and ESPN two. Vikings at Eagles, eight twenty p.m. Eastern on ABC and ABC Plus. We're going to get back to the Aces. We're going to play you some really fun sound from that team and talk about the kind of dynastic run that they might go on. And we're going to talk about the wildest wins from the NFL weekend and the biggest stories. But Fitz, I want to start quickly with Monday Night Football because if you heard those times, these are going to be crossing streams. Like, what are we doing here? I need to focus on the games and we're doing them kind of on top of each other, phrasing. Yeah, well, and and look, and they're both really big matchups, right? You know, so obviously it's Monday Night Football. We love having a couple of them. And I'm all in on you know multiple TV windows in these uh, in these situations, but the Bills Titans leading right over top of the Eagles Vikings just makes it so difficult to give each of the games the love that they would usually get. Like Bills Titans, based on last year alone, should be a marquee matchup, and the Eagles Vikings, based on what we expect for both of these teams this year, we expect to be a marquee matchup. So I love that we're getting two early on, but man, I- I'm with you. Like it's going to be hard to 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 make it through what we got to do and to make it through all of the football we got to get through over the next couple hours yeah uh i think somebody said they're trying to make it feel like a sunday of craziness on a monday night and i'm like no 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 i can only take one of those per week i need one crazy sunday of overlapping games where i don't even know where my brain went and then i need a nice relaxed monday of back-to-back games where i can focus on just the one game at once i haven't decided what my strategy is sometimes i watch one all the way through then get the dvr and start from the beginning I've, I've yet to figure out my plan for tonight, but let's talk about that first one because it's starting here in 15 minutes for Pete's sake. Titans, Bills. So much for the Bills to live up to, not just from the expectations when the season started, but after that hot start in week one. Meanwhile, the Titans are a team that in the last couple of years, some of the metrics have said they're going to slow down, they're not going to be as good, and they continue to despair. To surprise, I kind of think this is the year that the Titans do take that expected step back. This is going to be a real test to see if they can hang with the better teams in the league. In week one, the Titans' play calling I thought was abysmal. I did not like any of the way that they were trying to run the football, and it was so stinking predictable that the Giants and every Titans fan knew what was coming next. They've got to mix it up against a Bills team that is really good. And Sarah, uh, in digging into Stephon Diggs, and we all know how great Diggs is, but I thought this was particularly interesting. Since he entered the NFL in 2016, no wide receiver has been better on Monday Night Football. He's got 70 Mm. catches, 801 yards, nine touchdowns, 48 receiving first downs on Monday Night Football, all rank first of any wide receiver anywhere in the NFL during that period. Like, Stephon Diggs is going to be poised to go off tonight, and the Titans are going to have to generate offense to keep him off the field. 
You sound like a man who puts a money down on that statistical predictability on Monday nights. A little bit of cash going on that. So these are two teams that were very high scoring last year. Tennessee averaging 30.7 points per game. That was fourth in the league in 2020. Last uh, 2020, uh, we also saw Buffalo 28.4 points per game. Um, sorry, last season that was that was the Buffalo number. So um, these are teams that can score a lot, but a lot of people are starting to wonder if that cliff that we've been expecting for the Titans has finally arrived. Did you see anything last week that has you thinking, okay, uh, give them another week? I want to look specifically at this, whether that's Tannehill or whether that's the run game. Um, or are you pretty certain that this team is not going to be a, a, a playoff team this year? Yeah, I don't think the they may end up being a playoff team because the one of the bigger surprises we'll get to later is that the Colts are just mm. hot garbage. But no, I don't <laughs> think the Titans are particularly good. And what's amazing is that the loss of A.J. Brown was significant, and it is significant to both of our matchups tonight because A.J. Brown was just absolutely unleashed in week one playing for the Eagles in a way the Titans never utilized him. But if you look at the, the importance he had for that offense, he had to be accounted for. And when you go back to week one against the Giants. Early on in the game, it looked like the Titans had it under control. Better players, mm-hmm. better roster. But as the game continued to wear down and predictability became a force, like everybody knew what they were going to do with Derrick Henry. That's yes. going to be an issue all year so long for the Titans. Exactly. So predictable. And that, you're right, they had only seven points in that second half. And that's how the Giants were able to work their way back in. They just, everybody seemed to know what was coming next. They got to get more creative tonight, especially against a Bills team that we know can put up a ton of points. Um, also will be interesting tonight. The Bills had seven sacks against the Rams mm-hmm. without a single blitz in week one. <laughs> but Tennessee hasn't allowed Tannehill to be sacked in the past two wins against Buffalo. They blitzed a ton and they could not get to him. The third highest rate by the Bills last meeting was against the Titans. They kept sending guys and they couldn't get to him. So that'll be an interesting matchup to see how that goes this year for sure. Yeah, I think Von Miller's just sitting back saying, (laughs) I I wasn't there. Yeah, I wasn't here. I am now. And it'll be interesting because, you know, as much as we talk about the Titans running the football, I always look at their offensive line, and Taylor Lewan gets paid like an elite left tackle. He's going to have to play like one tonight. They're going to have to Mm. be able to leave him on an island somehow. And I don't know that his body's been holding up well enough to do that. So it becomes really interesting because if they can just get after the quarterback with their front four, then the Titans don't stand a chance. Like, I think this game could get really ugly. It's Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. If anyone knows from Ugly, it's someone whose team is 0-2. Oh, that's that's you. That's Jason Fitz. Wait, we'll wait, get to that never, later. Wait, there was a football game yesterday? <laughs> ne- football yeah, yeah, happened yeah. yesterday? You were too busy watching your basketball team get the win. Uh, speaking of bodies holding up, Trey Lance, just unbelievable bad luck in the second game of the season, the first one with reasonable weather where we thought we might get some sort of approximation of who this guy could be, broke his ankle, season-ending surgery, according to Kyle Shanahan. Vi- uh, 49ers get the win, 27-7. to This is just a soap opera-type situation where they couldn't get Jimmy G shipped off somewhere else, and here he steps in, first quarter... And you almost think to yourself, I have a better idea of who the 49ers are with Jimmy G, and I'm more confident that they'll win this game with him. That's wild. Yeah, and it leads to what's going to be, I think, one of the most interesting years we've ever seen in the Mm. NFL. Because 
if Jimmy G is able to take them to the playoffs or even to the Super Bowl with a very talented roster and you still have no idea who you have with Trey Lance, remembering that Jimmy G, you know, he restructured his deal in a way that's going to let him be a free agent next year. Mm. I, this is a such a difficult spot for the 49ers to be in because if we thought they had no clue today of who Trey Lance is, they don't have any clue next year either. I've never seen anything like what the organization is going to have to deal with this year. Trying to figure out the quarterback position just got that much more difficult, and Jimmy G gets his chance for redemption. It's really yeah. amazing. Damian Woody was on Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max this morning. And, of course, this is bad for the team because they had hoped to have him out there. But it's also just bad for Trey Lance. This injury, man, it's just it's unfortunate for the kid because this will be the third year in a row where he has basically played no football, or little to no football. And that's a long time for a young guy who's developing to not really be playing, you know, extensive football in a season. So I hope he comes back better. But, man, he has an uphill – he got an uphill climb ahead of him. Yeah, I mean, Fitz, it's not just, hey, this is a real bummer for a young guy that you want to see. It's that now we are three years into everything they gave up to to make this their guy, including, you know, making the awkward relationship with Jimmy G, letting Jimmy G be available as a free agent after the season. If he takes them on another deep run and they still have no idea what they have with Trey Lance, they're doing this all over again at the end of this season. Yeah, and, and how does that play out then? Because... At least this year they had some control over Trey Lance. And next year could get even weirder, right? Mm -hmm. Because at the end of the year, he can go somewhere else. So uh, this is the worst-case scenario for the 49ers because by the end of the year, they will still have no opportunity to even answer the most important question any franchise can answer. And yet, this might be the best possible scenario for a team who just watched their starting quarterback go down in the second game of the season. I don't disagree with that. You're right. It's such a wild situation. Okay, yeah. be a part of Spain and Fitz Nation on the Dr. Pepper Twitter feed. Tweet us at Sarah Spain, at Jason Fitz, at Spain and Fitz. ESPN Nation is presented by Dr. Pepper. It ain't college football season without the delicious taste of an ice-cold Dr. Pepper. The one fans deserve. We'll be having you chime in on that later because I've got the worst guy on the internet to take to task. And I'm having you chime in on it later as well. And Spain and Fitz. Coming up, though, NFL had some wild finishes this weekend. We'll fill you in on the wildest wins coming up next. Spain and Fitz, the podcast. It's Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz with you on a Monday. ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. We've got two Monday night football games. We previewed the first one. We're going to get guests on to get into that second Vikings-Eagles game that starts a little later on tonight. But the first ones uh, should be kicking off any second here. We'll keep you updated. But we have to reflect on a wild Sunday in the NFL, and my apologies already, Fitz, because I mean, you do, know your do, Raiders do we, are going to be a part of this do, conversation. Do okay, okay, okay. I mean, listen, at least they were close. We don't have to get into Bears-Packers because it went the way it always okay, does. That's fair. That's fair. That and fair. the fact that people were surprised or mad about it, I'm like, listen, they won week one. Like, the fact that you guys got a little overhyped about how good they might be, uh, settle. Okay, settle. Uh, let's talk about some of the crazy games. That Jets-Brown. Okay. The Browns' collapse was truly, truly historic. Like, absolutely wild. There was 155 left in the game. Nick Chubb had a carry for 12 yards and a touchdown to take them up 30-17 to 17 on the Jets. The Jets had no timeouts. So if Chubb had just sat down on the field, the Browns would have run out the clock and won. Now, I'm not saying that they should have known to do that necessarily. That's tough to do, especially with a lead like that. You do not expect to blow it. But instead of that happening, 
The Jets scored two touchdowns after the two-minute warning and won 31-30. to Just unbelievable. I, uh, you know, and I'm not going to be as forgiving as you are. I think it, it shows your grace and kindness that you're willing to say, hey, <laughs> Chubb, you know, may not have known that. There is a coaching element here of understanding yeah. clock management. Yeah. I demand so much out of coaches sometimes, but it's like, just have a basic understanding of telling your guys when you've got, you know, you've got a little microphone that goes into the quarterback's headset. Tell the quarterback, hey, guys, just remember, we don't want to score here. We just want to go down and win the football game. Mm-hmm. And I know that people say it's counterintuitive intuitive in the moment, but I'm looking at Nick Chubb saying, man, one play did make the difference here. If you fall yeah. down, you guys get this win. And instead, you not only watch a, a, a Flacco touchdown pass, you watch an onside kick recovery and then another Flacco touchdown pass. And it's just stunning to see that level of collapse. And then I, I squarely look at the coaches because situational awareness is something that has to be coached. Well, and Fitz, we saw later in the day with the Rams when they started to let things get close – they used a strategy. They didn't send out the punter that had just gotten blocked. They took a safety intentionally, and they used the clock to their advantage to hold on to that win. You look at the difference between those two coaches and how things went down there, and that's that's a win. That's yeah. a win versus a loss. I, I don't always think to that end. I don't always think coaches have to win you games. They can't lose you games. Yeah. And when mm-hmm. that's what happens in Cleveland, man, especially when they're trying to hang on for dear life till they get their quarterback back, you know, there's a whole other conversation about that. But right now, every single loss for Cleveland has to hit 10 times harder. Uh, some of us are celebrating. Yep. Uh, Joe Flacco celebrating 100%. like a kid. And mm. that was fun how excited they were for him. And even for Robert Sala, who I said, you know, don't take receipts. You suck. And we could see it. And that's fine. Uh, but it's nice when a team is, is down in its luck like the Jets have been for a while and, and get a win like that. It's Spain and Fitz. We're talking about the wildest wins from the weekend, although most of them could also be qualified as the, the worst losses. Mm. Uh, the Ravens are up there with the Browns here. It wasn't quite as bad. But some of the numbers of how this game flipped are unbelievable. You started out looking at this as Lamar's just centerpiece to his argument for getting paid. He looked fantastic. The runs, the passing. You are not going to look at a single play from this game and complain about Lamar Jackson as a passing quarterback. It was unbelievable. And then, all of a sudden, the Ravens fall asleep. And the, the way that McDaniels planned some of those offensive strategies. There were some really great breakdowns looking at the different defenses that they tried to put out there with the speed that the Dolphins have on either side and how the the Dolphins and Tua in particular was able to pick it apart. Tua ended up 469 yards, six touchdowns, um, and, and it started out real bad. Fits. I mean, it's the first time in 12 years that a team has come back from a 21 point deficit in the fourth quarter. The, 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 Dolphins fans were real hard up here. And then Tuanon is probably still recovering from the hangover because of the way things finished. Again, I will not be as kind as you are. Dolphins Twitter, y'all just, like, you guys suck. Like, there's this moment early on where I'm just watching Dolphins Twitter destroy Tua. And then the same accounts a couple hours later, like, <laughs> we're the best. It's yeah, like, that's football Twitter. For you, sure. can't have it, you can't have it both ways. <laughs> like, I, I think the stunning part of this is that what we've seen so far from Tua is that 
it just seems like none of it bothers him, right? Like, he was the same quarterback in the third and fourth quarter that he was early on. Nothing seems to phase him. I love Mike McDaniel and what he's doing before the snap. Pre-snap motion all over the place was really telling, and the, the uh, ability to get guys open, I thought some of the offense was really creative, and the problem early in the game is that the Dolphins couldn't get off the field. Once they got that figured out in the fourth quarter, they just started going point after point after point. It was fun to watch them get rhythm. I really think this was a big moment for Tua to have a coming out party, but I also yep. think that we need to, to just take a step back and understand that all of this is going to be part of the growth of a young quarterback that's yeah. trying to step up. I mean, I also want to point out that Tua and the Dolphins didn't do it alone. The Ravens had 10 plays where they needed one yard mm. for a first down or a touchdown, and they went three for 10. The second half, minus that big Lamar run, there were six carries for minus two yards. There are some things to figure out on that Ravens team that we sure wouldn't have been saying if things continued on the way they did in the first half and they won that game. We would be pretty hot on them right now. They got some stuff to figure out for sure. All right, we got to get to the final wildest win or loss of the weekend. Mm-hmm. It's Spade and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz. I'm sorry, Fitz. We were texting Devin, you and me, about the Aces win, and this looks like it's going to be a great day for Fitz as the Raiders had that big lead. Kyler Murray, awful in the first half. This was an ugly start for him, particularly after the way that they got beat up by the Chiefs in week one, and it looked real ugly. Um, They had 106 of their 192 total net yards in the third quarter. In the first half, Kyler was 6 of 9 for 53 yards. They did not have creative play calling. There was a delay of game coming out of a timeout. It was ugly for Kingsbury and the Cardinals. And then all of a sudden, the Raiders just laid down fits. Yeah, I think there's a couple of things. One, I just sat and looked at a blank TV for about three hours after oh. that game while I thought about what God did to me. But the other part of it... Uh, God that, is uh, not a Raiders yeah, fan. Yeah, that no. is for sure. The football gods just like <laughs> constantly laugh at me. But the one thing I will say is that the Cardinals did a great job in the second half of understanding that the Raiders' defensive line struggles when you use a little mobility at the quarterback position. Once Kyler started getting shifty, they didn't have an answer <laughs> for it. I was surprised they never uh, spied him with anybody. But frankly, once he started to move around in the pocket the number of times it's like he just took a bath in Crisco and Max Crosby <laughs> fell off of him I mean that he was a great equalizer tremendous credit to him all hope is not lost the Raiders will be fine what was wild that 84 yard run on the two-point conversion he My covered God. 84 yards to get a two-point 20 conversion. seconds there 20 were only seconds. two guys going after him they had everyone sitting in the end zone and he somehow still made it he, a lot of magic from Kyler we got to see if he could do that all game long we're going to get to that later on in the show ESPN radio is presented by progressive insurance looking for a career path with flexibility and great pay and benefits go to progressive.com careers and apply online today bundle at progressive.com Coming up, the Trey Lance injury. Spain and Fitz, the podcast. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80. Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, ESPN Radio. Obviously, want to get you caught up on the score real quick here. For all of you that uh, had Reggie Gilliam in uh, your fantasy football lineups, congratulations, because he gets the touchdown pass from Josh Allen. It's 7-0. The Bills go up early in this one. So we will keep you updated. A doubleheader of Monday Night Football action. So don't go anywhere, because Spain and Fitz will get you covered throughout the entirety of all of it. ESPN Radio always has you covered. We're covered and presented by Progressive Insurance. If you're a renter, make sure you're protected. Renter's insurance includes options that cover stolen property, personal injury, and living expenses if your place is damaged. Quote, renter's insurance at Progressive.com. 
Let's get thoughts from across the entire landscape of the NFL from one of our favorites, Jeremy Fowler, ESPN senior NFL reporter. Let's start with some of the big news today, Jeremy, is Mike Evans has been suspended for a game uh, yep. because of his little uh, his little mesh up there with Marshawn Lattimore. Uh, what was your take on the decision by the NFL? Well, from what I had heard, the, the league really zeroed in on Mike Evans from the beginning. They were reviewing the tape Monday, looking at the whole incident from every angle, and they felt like, uh, Marshawn Lattimore and some of the Saints players, yes, they were aggressive, but they didn't create any sort of uh, uh, danger. They thought that Evans sort of sparked the melee, and so that's why he got the suspension. He will appeal it, and you know he's hopeful that uh, he can win it, but there's not a lot of precedent for that in this sort of case when a big fight like this breaks out. Uh, I expect a lot of fines to come to some Saints players and maybe even Bruce Arians, the former Tampa Bay coach that was talking and, and around the action uh, yesterday, surprisingly. Let's talk about Trey Lance. I mean, it's just a terrible situation, not something you can plan for. It's an unforgiving sport. I think we're all pretty quickly spinning to holy cow, not being able to get rid of Jimmy ends up being a real positive here. Uh, Is there anything uh, that we're we're not considering or thinking about when it comes to Jimmy G just stepping right in here? Hmm, That's a good question. You know, it's, they just can't seem to quit each other, you know, like it's, (laughs) They, they tried to trade him for six months, and here we are. So it's really it's a it's a chance for Garoppolo to try to remind that he he's a, a stable, steady starting NFL quarterback. That that was sort of in doubt this offseason, not only because of the injury, uh, because the teams I talked to just said he had zero trade value, and uh, and the market sort of spoke loudly about how how maybe he's looked at. Um, but you know the the Forty ers feel like hey, this is still a good player. So he's got a chance in 2023, assuming he plays well this year, to get himself a really big contract somewhere else. And, uh, you know, the the 49ers, I I still – the biggest issue with with Trey Lance, I still think they're committed to him for next year, uh, regardless, most likely. You know, they feel like the offense can be more explosive with him, but he just he's played so little in the last three years that that's a concern. They just wanted to see him play, so they're sort of heartbroken that – you know, they, they for him, be, not being healthy, but then also they just don't really get to see that chance and really confirm what they believe in him earlier yeah, I mean, than later that he's going to be the guy. Thing, a whole nother year. <laughs> They're going to do this all over yeah, again. Killer. Yeah, it's Which killer. Is, yeah, they, I mean, they just haven't seen him. You know what I mean? Like, they, they need to see him play. The organization, the fans, I feel for the player, everybody in this process just feels like they're stuck. Uh, Jeremy, uh, Broncos fans are stuck with Nathaniel Hackett, but I want to be reasonable for a second. Uh, when you yeah. see a head coach that, that feels like is struggling with some of the minutia of being a head coach, how much time should they get to grow and evolve into that role? See, I – I am more the belief that he needs a lot of time. I, I don't really get the overreaction. It's two games. The guy's coached two games. Never been a head coach before. Um, they're moving the ball, maybe not consistently, or they're, they're really not scoring. They're not finishing drives. But they actually, their like yards per play is really high, like one of the best in the league. And they're one and one. Like I, I just, I don't know. It, it's clumsy for sure. Like it looks bad. Yesterday, I mean, you could hear the uh, the play by play announcer just over and over killing him uh, on the local broadcast, but. Uh, yeah, he's a, he's a very bright guy. He's got good energy. Players like him. Um, he's got good ideas, and he knows offense. Like I think over time it will be fine uh, if if we can just all you know settle down and just realize that uh, you know first year he, he's got to work these out sooner and later. Though I think he has to work on his operation with his staff, make sure they're a little more buttoned up. That's been the issue. It's like how do you make these mistakes even though you're a first year guy? So they'll have to overcome that. But long term, I think he'll be fine. Jeremy Fowler with us here on Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz.
Before we move on from the Broncos, I think Hackett's taking a lot of attention potentially away from the struggles of Russell Wilson. And we've been yeah. talking a lot about letting Russ cook. As someone asked me on Twitter, is Russ cooked? Mm. There are some real bad <laughs> signs right now. Jeremy, am I overreacting or is it possible that all the enthusiasm for the acquisition of Russell Wilson may prove to be a little bit preempt, uh, you know, too or too soon a- after watching the first couple yeah. outings here. Well, the, you're certainly correct in that there are some warning signs. You know, I, I'm not ready to, to go that far yet. I, I still consider him, and most of the league still considers him a top ten quarterback. Uh, problem is, he's more in the back end of the top ten than closer to the top three to five where he was probably two years ago. Um, it, look, you, you talk to people in Seattle; they love Russ. They say he's been great. He wins a ton of games. Uh, doesn't turn the ball over, but they felt like he, you know, he doesn't get rid of the ball very fast. And if you let him throw the ball 40 times a game, you're going to get in trouble. Uh, so they kind of like tried to control things and run the ball a lot and have him throw the ball 25, 30 times. And that was part of the issue there. It was a philosophical issue between the player and the team. And now he's got to prove that, that he can do it the way he's wanted to do it. Um, you know, so far it's been a little slow. I, I, I still think, you know, he's a guy you pay, which they, they rightfully paid. And there are only so many of these guys. There are really only 12, 13 guys that are considered true franchise quarterbacks. He's one. It's just, you know, there, there have been some signs, a little bit of regression. Maybe it doesn't look as mobile. Uh, the arm strength is still there, I think. Um, the, the strength looks pretty good. It's just the, the, the mobility and the movements. But he's only, what, 34? He's in his low 30s. Like, he, sh- he should be able to sustain his level of play. I'm supposed to ask you about the Steelers here, but Jeremy, I just got—I I just got to know. Like, am I going to be? Are, are the Raiders going to be okay? Like, is—is <laughs> is this thing falling apart? Am I going to have to drink this much every Sunday? Ooh, no. The okay. short answer is no. Okay. Um, you can put the drink down. Okay. I, I think they'll be okay. Um, It's—I mean, part, you know, Kyler Murray just took over that game, uh, and there was really not a whole lot they could do about it. Maybe some tweaks here or there. They could have put like a spy on him on defense to just follow him around. Um, but he made some unbelievable plays. Like you saw the full spectrum of how bad Kyler Murray can be and how great he can be at the same time. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's the two fumbles late. I just, I think they'll be okay. They, you know, they might not be a 12 win team, um, but they have you know so much firepower and offense. They're going to fall into some wins and the defense, you know, with those two pass rushers, like I'm still pretty bullish on the, on the Raiders. It's just going to be tough in that division to make the playoffs. The, the good news is, at least through two games, it doesn't look like there are 10 great offenses in the AFC, you know, like it's sort of, it might be more manageable of a conference than people made it out to be where there's like 12 playoff teams in the AFC. I'm not so convinced of that yet. That you know what? Even if you're just telling me because I need to hear it, I appreciate you for it. <laughs> Follow him on Twitter hey, at man. Jay I'm Fowler ESPN. He is always here for me and always there for you, Jeremy Fowler. We appreciate your time, my friend. Thanks for hanging out with us. Hey, thank you. Appreciate it. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio want to get you updated. The Bills scored on their opening drive, and uh, the Titans, despite the injury of Taylor Lewan, uh in the uh, in their opening drive, are moving the ball really well. I asked Sarah for them to be uh, less predictable in play calling, and in fact, so far, a lot of play action on first down as opposed to last week when they were running the football on first down. It looks like they're trying to open things up a little bit, at least keep the Bills on edge. So, uh, you know, it looks like the Titans may have self-scouted a little bit. They're coming out trying to open Baby things steps. up. 
There we go. <laughs> Baby steps. They uh, the Titans have second and uh, second and goal from just outside, or second and ten, I should say, uh, from about the eleven yard line, down seven and nothing. So we'll keep you updated on that. In the meantime, we're going to dive into the idea of buyer's remorse, what it could mean around the world of sports. We saw a couple of big names go off on the week over the weekend, but some haven't. Is there some level of regret for the money spent? We'll break it down. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio. Spain and Fitz. The podcast. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80. Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. If you've been hanging out with us over the course of the last couple of weeks on all of the ESPN Radio shows, you know that we're doing a, a series of picks, right? So we're picking three games. Every show picks three games. We've added some bonuses to it because we like making things more difficult. But every every show picks the same three games against the spread. Uh, we were 2-1 and one after week one, and I made those picks. And then this week, Sarah, thank God you made the picks because if mm-hmm. I'd been making the picks, we wouldn't have done as well. But you made the picks, and again, we went 2-1. and one. So first and foremost, how are we feeling about that? I'm I'm disappointed. I wanted a three and zero. I'm glad that at least you agreed with me on the one we got wrong, and that you were not picking on the one we got right because I picked it. Uh, uh-huh. Yep. So I at least get to have uh, feel like I'm better than you still, yeah, which fair. is important, probably most important. But I can't. Freddie and Fitzsimmons six and zero, man. Yeah, I, like we gotta I, keep up. I feel like other Fitz must be like texting the casinos somewhere, and he's like getting inside information. There's no. I mean, <laughs> uh, uh, Freddie and Fitzsimmons went three and zero over the weekend. Uh, Greeny went zero and three. So well, you know, Greeny uh, mm. uh, digging a little bit of an early hole after yep. two weeks. Uh, Freddie and Fitzsimmons six and zero. We are tied with uh, Canny and Carlin at four and two in second place. Uh, then the uh, KJM and Barton Hahn are both three and three. So we got a one lead, one game lead over them. The one game we did disagree on, and let me say you were right, uh, was I took the Saints. I thought the Saints would beat the Buccaneers. That turned out not to be the case. I felt really good about it for the first half, yeah, which was, was sort of you could have tattooed that on my chest uh, about <laughs> Sunday. Felt really good about the first half. Yeah, um, a lot but, of people felt good about yeah. a lot of first halves. <laughs> not so oh, much. I mean, that was an ugly start. Brady's throwing the Microsoft Surface, um, but it wasn't that the Saints looked good either, no. right? Like they, they're, they're a lot of punts from both teams. Uh, seven straight quarters with no touchdowns for either, um, and then you saw there was. The the little Fournette versus Evans, or, or um, sorry, Lattimore versus Evans, and and you know that's been going on for a couple of years now. I'm very curious. A lot of people make this Evans versus Lattimore thing all about Evans being held in check by him defensively. There's got to be more to that, right? Yeah. Like somebody slept with somebody. Oh, a thousand percent. Like it, it, there's hibbity dibbity involved in that level yeah, of anger. Like that's there's no... not just a football yeah. beef. Yeah, I mean. Um, but did you see the lip reading of Evans? He's like, it's MF and Tom Brady. What do you expect me to do? I mean, like, if, if this 45-year-old old man gets in a fight, someone's got to step up. Some spry young lad has to step up. I, look, as a 45-year-old uh, guy that <laughs> likes to rub my mouth, I, we all need one of these uh, supporters in <laughs> our – in our. You know, Yours like, is Mike Golick Jr. Yeah, His I, is Mike Evans. Yeah, now that Mike – Everyone uh, needs a Mike. <laughs> now that Gojo's on the West Coast, i got to be real. 
really careful what I say out in West Hartford on a Saturday night. Who's got your back. Exactly. Um, I mean, it did end up showing you that the Bucs can get out of terrible situations, and they broke that streak against the Saints. So I'm glad I picked him, and I do have higher hopes for the Bucs than I do for, for the Saints. And we found out before the game that Jameis has four fractures in his back mm. as somebody who has many back issues they said oh it can't get any worse i don't know how that's possible I, I really don't if you have a fracture it can get worse especially if you're getting sacked and tackled and just just jogging or not having the ability to control the balance of where your weight is landing when you have back issues is so painful i don't even know how much you must have been hopped up on yeah i, I can't imagine the pain that goes into that and then you know, when you factor that in with the Saints' expectations this year and, and Jameis and, you know, the interceptions and all of the things that, that follow there, too, it, it's just – it feels like a difficult season in the making for New Orleans. But all the credit to Tampa Bay. By the way, quick update. The Titans have scored, tied the game. It is 7-7 early in this one. The Bills with the ball and driving. So we'll keep you updated. And Taylor Lewan has been carted off the field at this point. Mm. He's been taken back to the locker room. A couple injuries early, yeah. Yeah, so uh, the, kind of the worst-case scenario. Uh, speaking of worst-case scenarios – uh, I, I watched one uh, on Sunday, but I think many fans watched worst case scenarios when it came to some of the quarterbacks that they saw get paid. And and I'm, I'm really talking about you, Broncos fans. Uh, we all understand <laughs> that, the, you know, it, it was going to be a little bit of a process with the Nathaniel Hackett, the new head coach, youngest coaching staff in the NFL and Russ. But it does raise a question, Sarah, about some of the money that was spent and where it went to for some fans. Yeah, I want to get into that, but real quick, just in case, I feel like if people are curious, we have to tell them that our picks for the weekend, oh, we were sorry, right yes. about the Packers winning. Yes. We were right about the, I, I was right about the Bucks winning. Mm-hmm. Uh, we said Steelers, so we got that one wrong. Mm-hmm. Uh, even though it was technically a push when I gambled on it, we only had a spread of minus two, I think. So we were wrong on that. And then we both got Raiders and Ravens wrong on those crazy finishes. So uh, I finished one pick ahead of you, and that's how we ended up two and one in the actual official picks. Anyway, just in case people were curious which games we chose. Yeah, so I posited a question on Twitter. And first of all, I forgot that my very least favorite part about football season is Sunday football Twitter. Mm, yes. Um, It's not only obnoxious takes, rude people, people who can't take a joke, people who can't, you know, take in stride when their team is struggling, or literally I rip on my own team more than anyone, and so I don't don't know how other people can't get there, but the worst person on the internet that isn't actually causing, like, psychological damage or, or, like, doxing someone is the this-didn't-age-well guy who doesn't know how to use it. And if you counted the number of this didn't age wells in my mentions, uh, it would be the number of times I banged my head against a wall last night. (laughs) I just had the guy from Freezing Cold Takes on my podcast this past week. I wrote this tweet to be completely frozen take free. And yet all of the context clues were ignored. I tweeted out Kyler Murray's start as a $230 million man. Week one, blowout loss to the Chiefs. Week two, currently down 20 to nothing to LV at the half. Fill in the blank. The last giant deal for a superstar that was immediately followed by such ominous losses slash results was blank. I didn't want to talk about what's going to happen next. I didn't even want to talk about the second half. I was not calling this game over. I was asking right after someone has just been signed to a long-term super pricey deal, has there been someone who right in the very first results after that was so ominously disappointing that it had people 
you know, wondering if this was a terrible deal or worrying about what might come next. And I got some good ones. Urban Meyer is a good one. Oh, yeah. I would say that your boy from the Raiders, uh, who I'm blanking on right now, John Gruden, even though things got better, you remember like day two, there was his John Gruden been fired yet dot com because he was like, I hate metrics and I wish we could go back and coach in the 80s and I'm going to trade Khalil Mack, right? There's Jamarcus Russell, right? I'm talking immediate right after. Someone gave me a great example of uh, the... the, Washington football team extending McNabb Monday afternoon, and that Monday night he went out and threw two touchdowns and three interceptions, and and was seventeen to thirty-one. Like you just got all that money, and you're watching a, a very bad performance. That's what I was asking about, and everyone was like, "You should delete this. That didn't go so well." I'm like, "This was about to happen." Kenny Galladay, perfect example, right? You sign him, you're really excited. He does nothing. Anyway, as I was posting that, a lot of people were saying Russell Wilson. I'm wondering first. Did Kyler do enough in the second half to assuage some of the concerns, or are you still worried about him? And has Russ, despite one and one, made some folks in Broncos town really nervous about how excited they were to acquire him? I think yes and yes. Um, look, Kyler Murray showed you in the second half of that game how spectacular he can be, in my mind. Cliff Kingsbury showed you, though, that he needs to have a plan for how to make him that spectacular. I think Kyler Murray can be a special quarterback. Uh, it is concerning to see him play the way he played in the first half, but it was great to watch, uh, although I hated the outcome of the second half, uh, to, to see where that one went. For Russ, yeah, I mean, we, we had to know coming into this thing that it, it was going to take a second. He was going to have to have an offensive mind that wanted to build around him. And look at the numbers. I mean, Denver gets a win, so Denver beats Houston 16-9. But in the process, Russ is 14 to 31 for 219. I mean, he completed 45% of his passes. Like, he put up a, a QBR of uh, the rating was 66.4 on that game. Those are awful numbers for anyone that doesn't have perspective on that. That's, that's terrible. That's the replace this guy, he can't play sort of line yep. that you expect. So I, I think certainly early on, the returns for Russ from the coaching staff and from the quarterback have not been good enough. He started 4 of 14 for 48 yards, rusted. And Richard mm. Sherman retweeted that with a chef emoji. Let him cook, <laughs> I guess. Uh, so the salty continues. Um, but yeah, you're especially with the story and the narrative of like, uh, should he be allowed to pass more, much more efficient on the ground right now because he just doesn't look right. Well, and I don't know what the easy answer is to that either. Like, you're, you, while you're getting to know somebody in the competitive AFC, how do you fix that in time to actually save your season? I think that's going to be a really important question that now a coaching staff that we may not have a ton of faith in is going to have to show a very quick answer to. That will be interesting for the rest of the year for Denver. We'll get you caught up on the first game of the Monday Night Football action. Look ahead to the second next. It's Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Spain and Fitz, the podcast.